Jesus says, do not judge so that you may not be judged. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We announced this sermon series on dumb things Christians say a couple months back, and ever since then, a number of you have expressed your excitement about the possibility of confronting these Christianisms. Whether you were in the middle of suffering and someone said, God won't give you more than you can handle, or a friend tried to explain how your struggles were given to you by the Lord because everything happens for a reason, or any number of situations, these dumb things that Christians say are things that all of us have heard. However, some of you have expressed your concern about today's statement, the last in the series, love the sinner, hate the sin. It sounds so right, doesn't it? I mean, what could possibly be wrong with love the sinner, hate the sin? We can all agree that Christians say a lot of dumb things, but this is a good one, right? In my experience, when people say love the sinner, hate the sin, they are usually referring to homosexuality. For many, it is a kind of Christian way to say, I love my gay friends, but I hate that they're gay. And this post-truth, post-liberal, post-whatever period, it's a way for us to cover our true feelings while appearing congenial to those with whom we disagree with about sexuality. Though recently, when I've heard people say love the sinner, hate the sin, they're talking about it with regard not to homosexuality, but the realm of politics. It's amazing how quickly this Christian coverall for conversations about sexuality have shifted to conversations about who or who isn't running the country. Well, I know she voted for that traitor Hillary Clinton, but I love her anyway. Or Donald Trump is ruining the country, but I love him. Or, you know, I love my brother, but he can be such a bleeding liberal sometimes. Or... I love my sister, but she's so conservative, she's off the political spectrum. Love the sinner, hate the sin. It sounds good, but it's pretty hard to hate another sin without harming the sinner. But what is sin? We don't talk about it a lot anymore. Pastors like me would rather talk about God's loving nature than God's judgment We would rather tell people like you to love your neighbors than to tell you to tell your neighbors that they're sinners. We would rather skip over the hard and strange passages about condemnation than truly proclaim that God's scripture is still speaking to us even today. But for a long time, and I mean a very long time, sin was the thing pastors talked about. Sinners in the hands of an angry God, fire and brimstone, repent or burn forever. We're afraid of sin. And not sin as a behavior, but we're afraid of sin because it makes us and congregations so uncomfortable. I hear again and again that people don't want to leave church feeling miserable about their lives or their behavior. So preachers like me, we water down the gospel and we avoid even mentioning sin. In fact, I had a professor in seminary who taught us to preach 10 sermons about grace for every one sermon about sin. 
We preachers and you Christians can't handle the topic of sin like we once could. But what is it? In Hebrew and Greek, the words for sin basically mean to wander from the path or to miss the mark. Sin, therefore, is any action or thought or behavior that divides us from God. It can be any choice or lack of choice that results in failing to do something we know we should do. And here's the thing. We all do it. All of us sin. From the one standing before you in a white robe to the decades-long Sunday school teacher to the child who's drawing on her bulletin right now to the person in the pew across the aisle to you yourself, we are all sinners. All of us think, say, and do things we should not and all of us fail to think, say, and do things we should. Love the sinner. Of course we're supposed to love the sinner. Jesus did it all the time. Most of his ministry was about loving sinners. The problem is that Jesus does not call us, his disciples, to love sinners. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. There's a very important difference. And the difference being the starting point. If we say we're going to love sinners, we will view other people more like sinners and less like neighbors. It automatically puts us in a place of judgment, like a pulpit looking down on everybody else, where we think we are the righteous and they are not. And loving sinners also furthers this problematic identity problem we have, where we understand and identify people by their mistakes. We label people by their sins. Regardless of what the sin was or when it occurred or even how often it happened, we still call people things like cheaters and adulterers and liars. Or to put it another way, instead of seeing our neighbors as neighbors, we judge them and we identify them by which political candidate's sign was on a name in their front yard on their bumper. A while back, one of my friends was about to start his first job outside of college and He was understandably nervous about his first day when he entered that office building and he made his way to his cubicle near the corner of the room. He quietly unloaded his box of materials and set up his desk and had pictures of his family and his friends while other employees walked by. There were signs that someone had used the desk before him. There was an accidental scratch scratch on the table. There was a piece of discarded trash in the trash can. There were finger smudges all over the computer monitor. But other than that, the office was empty. He worked that first day as hard as he could, though a few people did come by to introduce themselves. And when it came time to go home, he packed up his bag and he opened up his top drawer to grab his pen when he noticed a post-it note near the back of the drawer. And without thinking much about it, he grabbed that post-it note and he read it. And at the top were three big words. Do not trust. And under those three words were the names of five people from the office. Can you imagine if that were your first day? No matter how hard he tried to forget the note, no matter how hard he tried to trust those five people in spite of what he read, his entire perspective had been changed by the words, do not trust. The same thing happens when we view others as sinners first and neighbors second. We should always try to love them, but we can love them even more if we see them first as our brothers and sisters and less as sinners in our midst. 
As Chris read, Jesus says, Why do you look for the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own? We're good at finding the sin in other people. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's why Facebook exists. It's there so that we can vent about the other sinners and all the problems they're causing for the rest of us. Jesus used this expression about the log in our eye because he knew that his disciples then and now would struggle with the tendency to judge others. So instead of saying, love the sinner, better, maybe it's better to say, I am a sinner and I'm trying to love my neighbor. But we still have hate the sin. Jesus spent a lot of time with sinners, drunks, prostitutes, murderers, traitors, and countless others who sinned against the Lord. Jesus routinely gathered with them to do what we're going to do in a couple minutes, break bread with them. He gave them the most precious gift he had to offer his time, and then he said, follow me. But Jesus never, not even once, said to any of them, I love you, but I hate your sin. Jesus, he offered forgiveness. He encountered all kinds of people who were defined by their choices and he saw them for who they were in spite of their sins. His love was such that it knew no bounds and it was enough. But we're not like Jesus. We fail to love the other as brother and the stranger as sister. We have logs in our eyes and we say things like, love the sinner, hate the sin. There was a man who died, and upon his death, he arrived at the pearly gates in heaven. He looked around, and he soaked up all these beautiful sights, the fluffy clouds, and he was so excited to see people just on the other side that he had missed for so long. He wanted to run straight for them, but there was a line leading up to St. Peter. So the man got in line, and he waited his turn. He knew it wasn't the right thing to do, but as he got closer, he couldn't help but eavesdrop on the conversations between St. Peter and the other soon-to-be residents of heaven. Oh, you're the one who read scripture out loud in church every Sunday. We've got a place for you. Oh, you're the one that did so much for that soup kitchen once a month. Come right in. And so on and so forth. But when the man's turn came and he stood before St. Peter, Peter looked down in the book of life and then back up the man and said, Yeah, you were a believer, but you skipped the whole not being a jerk about it part. Saying and living by love the sinner, hate the sin, it makes us jerks. It means the log in our eye is so large that we're unable from seeing the people in our midst as brothers and sisters. It means that our own sinfulness blinds us from truly loving. There is sin in this world. People will make the wrong choice. People will choose evil. We will make sinful decisions. We will avoid doing the things we know we should do. But instead of rallying together and focusing on all the sins and the problems of other people, instead of flocking to the internet and like-minded dinner parties to declare the sins of the other, we all need to take a good, hard look in the mirror. We need to recognize the log in our eyes before we dare point out the speck in another. Because Jesus looks right into our hearts and says, I love you, log and all. 
God in Christ knows our prejudices that we're ashamed of. God knows the golden calves we worship instead of him. God sees our self-righteousness and indignation and says, I love you, log and all. God sees the emails we crack out of anger but are too afraid to send. God knows the way we lie to our spouses and our children. God witnesses the depth of our depravity and says, I love you, log and all. God was there with us in the voting booth. God hears the sighs we utter in response to someone on the other side of the political aisle. God knows how we really, truly feel and says, I love you, log and all. Love the sinner. Hate the sin. We say it. We read it. We might even live by it. But we should just stop with the first word. Love. Love. And not Hallmark love, not Valentine's Day love, but love like Jesus. That might be good enough. Because loving like Jesus does not mean turning away from the sinners in our midst. It means walking up to a crowd of people who are about to do something terrible and say, who among you is without sin? Let him cast the first stone. It means encountering the beauty of the Lord and saying the truest words we can ever utter. O Lord, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. It means being humble enough to seek out those whom we have wronged and asking for their forgiveness. It means caring for those on the margins regardless of the decisions they've made or the sins they've committed. It means reaching out to the people who we disagree with most, not to change their mind, but to offer them the same thing Jesus offers us, time. So The next time we feel tempted to say, love the sinner, hate the sin, let's just stop with love. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Would you all pray with me? Oh God, we know that you love us. We know that you love us because we encounter the truth of that in Scripture every time we open it. We know that you love us because this table has been prepared for us and you are the one that invites us. We know, O Lord, you love us because you came to live and to die and to live again for us. So God, we're grateful and we're thankful for your love. We only pray that you would help us love others the way you love us. Amen.